Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a editor of uh, Past Muscle Mags, um, former competitive bodybuilder and uh, strength training enthusiast powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, founder of liftforhope.org and strengthguild.com. Right on. Today we have a guest, uh, Jordan Feigenbaum. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and we're going to get to him in just a few moments, but as... Our regular listeners know we first uh, discuss certain things, uh, scientific uh, things that Lonnie has to say or little tidbits that might be of interest to our listeners. So, without further ado, Lonnie. Well, once again, my friend, we find that science is a two-headed beast. One head is nice. It gives us aspirin and other modern conveniences. But the other head of science is bad. Oh, beware the other head of science, Arthur! It bites! Well, what I wanted to do today is instead of recapping a single study, I'm going to set the stage for our topic later, which is uh, about exercise programming. Um, and uh, again, just to offer some generalities, I thought I would quickly uh, read a little excerpt from the American College of Sports Medicine. They have a something called progression models and resistance training for healthy adults. So uh, this is very broad, but that's part of the reason I'm sharing it, so you can get an idea how broad this is and how much room there is to play in here. But uh, let me just share some of this with you from the perspective of novices, bodybuilders, powerlifters, etc. So this is what the American College of Sports Medicine says. For novice, untrained individuals with no resistance training experience or who have not trained for several years, it is recommended that loads correspond with a repetition range of 8 to 12. Uh, it says as far as repetition maximum goes, so 8 to 12 to failure. For intermediate individuals with approximately six months of consistent resistance training experience, to advanced individuals with years of resistance training experience, it's recommended that individuals use a wider loading range from 1 to 12 rep max in a periodized fashion with eventual emphasis on heavy loading, that is, one to six reps to failure, uh, using three to five minutes of rest between sets. Uh, when training at a specific uh, RM load, rep max load, it is recommended that two to 10% increase in load be applied when the individual can perform the current workload for one to two reps over the desired number. The recommendation for training frequency is two to three days per week for novice, three to four days per week for intermediate, and four to five days per week for advanced trainers. And again, we can all talk about this. Uh, similar program designs are recommended for hypertrophy training with respect to exercise selection and frequency. For loading, it's recommended that the loads co correspond between one to 12 rep max, so one to 12 reps to failure essentially, uh, used in periodized fashion uh, with emphasis on the six to 12 rep range, for, again, for hypertrophy and one to two minute rest periods uh, using a moderate velocity when they lift. Uh, 
Higher volume multi-set programs are recommended for maximizing hypertrophy. Progression and power training entails two general loading strategies. One, strength training, and two, use of light loads, that is 0 to 60% of one rep max for lower body exercises and 30 to 60% of one rep max for upper body, performed at a fast contraction velocity, again, with three to five minutes of rest between sets. Uh, it says it is also recommended that emphasis be placed on multi-joint exercises, especially those involving the total body. So again, that's just an excerpt. There's more to this. If you want to go look at this, you can actually access this um, full document, which is a massive literature review. Yeah. Uh, and again, I just, again, set the stage a little because some of this is so broad. You can see how much room there is to play when you look at the literature. I mean, one to 12 reps, you know? No, um, the truth of the matter is, though, when you really listen to everything you just said, um, I know it seems like in a general sense to be very broad, but in just the small amounts that you covered there, if you look at it in totality, I agree with everything that's said there. Like... Well, they have to, it's necessarily broad, right? They have to do some of this as far as, because you have to give someone room to progress. If you're going to periodize them, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's linear, reverse linear, undulating, whatever it is, uh, there's something you're going to, going to be going up and down in the repetition range or, you know, and they did, they did lay down, you're right. I mean, they laid down basically speed work versus heavy work, you know, for power, a little bit more volume in the six to 12 rep range for the bodybuilding. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff in here. And I like also how they identify, you know, they say you're not intermediate until you have between six months and a couple of years of experience. Right. You know, so, yeah, right. there's good info in there. No, there, I, I, de- I actually definitely think there's good info in there. In in fact, what you said there could probably answer the question that 95% of the questions that guys like you and me <clears throat> get from average newbies in the gym all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I thought I would start with it so we all get on the same page, you know, that there are some generally accepted uh, principles here. Now, any one of these would be up for debate, and you could individualize them and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a ton of literature out there, and it's not like we're completely lost. Sometimes if you get online and all you do is listen to gurus, you're yeah. just going to be flabbergasted with, well, we don't know what's going on. This guy says this is best, and this guy says that. That's because they're trying to sell you their little proprietary blend you know sure so what this is just what the science well no and that's that's why kind of i like that like i said if what you said there was distilled into a, a written little you know succinct form that would be something that <laughs> guys like oh all of us on the show right now could very easily just hand out like freaking pamphlets and brochures oh, right. save your to, breath you know what i mean because i mean it's yeah. it's it's like what a can of worm that worms that that you know the questions that pertain to what you're talking about what a can of worms that opens from guys you know what i mean you're yeah. You're in the gym and some guy comes up to you, some kid comes up to you and asks you a generalized question like that about reps and weights and all this kind of thing. And, you know, you want to sit there and talk to the guy for 10 hours, but, you know, nobody can really afford that, you know. So you sit there and say, well, you know, I mean, there really is no easy answer. And if I try and give you any answer in a broad degree, it's just going to, again, open up a can of worms. I'm going to be sitting here for two hours trying to explain this to you. So, Well, I think one of the problems comes up is... Instead of going to the literature, you know, and this is what a 2002 position paper, so it's not like it's it's new, you know, that new. But the problem is when you get some of these guys, they come out with a book, and that's their only credential, as if that was a credential. You know, I wrote a book, 
Well, that's not the same thing as a degree or something like that. And then what they do is they start to brand their own terms. Like, you know, the components of physical fitness are pretty much laid down and well-described. The components of exercise prescription, which you could easily remember as F-I-T-T in the most general term, you know, frequency, intensity, time spent, and type of movement, those are still realities that any program has to address. So instead of just laying down what we've known for a long time, instead they, they give their own names to all these different things. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with creating a, you know, a program and selling a program that works. It's just let's not pretend like we're laying down, you know, the um, the foundation of this right. field because the literature's been there for a very long time. Right. Do we have like do we have like a Cylon or Darth Vader or something <laughs> as a co-host on here? No, that does my damn volume on my phone. Sounds like a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica, man. It's like I, <laughs> I keep looking you're, over my shoulder like the yeah, Cylon's about to shoot me or something. You're, I just turned it down. Um, I got, <laughs> Lonnie, I want to get your take on this because I just remembered I read it. Something I sent Jim Windler and he was just amazed. Um, Louisiana State University, uh, they just did a 10-week study. They took two groups of lifters, um, 10 lifters on each group from the powerlifting team. And they had 10 of them in squat suits, bench suits, deadlift suits, and 10 of them not. 10 of them went raw. At the end of the study, they came to the amazing conclusion that wearing squat suits, bench shirts, and deadlift suits are actually helping lifters move more pounds. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I feel, I feel, admittedly, sometimes I'll remind people, science is often playing catch-up. You know, you gotta, you got to document this stuff and write it down and get it in the literature, you know, so then we can build on it. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. Let me, let me say one thing quick. Is I saw a paper years ago and I can't give you the author. It was at a, at a meeting and they said something Mm -hmm. along the lines of, you know, therefore it seems that high testosterone augments muscle hypertrophy. (laughs) Like, really? Well, thanks for that. Let me, let me write that down, you know, so. No, you know, I was extrapolating from a, from a higher sophistication level as, of course, Fortress always does. So when you were, is it, Possible though, Phil, that we're reading into that too basically. Like maybe they're making reference to the fact that after this period of the one group not using and the one group using, no, because that the they were stronger study, overall. Are you saying like just during the group they've during the group they moved more pounds? It said the progress of each group was the, the difference was insignificant, but the people in in equipment, moved more total load. Yes, you know, now, Rob, you're hitting on something, too, and like Phil just said, if if they're progressing in parallel, if there's no difference in delta score, in change score, because that would be the really interesting question, right? Mm-hmm. Does, does training in uh, equipment or in gear, does it somehow help in that you're, you know, you've heard all the theories about maybe well, yeah. if I can teach my nervous system what the higher weight yeah. feels like yeah. Or, yeah. or what have you. So that's the real interest, but the only the only value I can see out of something like that, because Phil, you asked, is maybe to document the um, on average what's the percent improvement at single yeah. ply, double ply, etc. You know what I mean? It'd be, it might be nice to quantify, get some numbers there, but yeah. but the general conclusion <laughs> seems foregone. <laughs> seems foregone. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So we'll be behind yeah. the eight ball there, guys. But yeah. uh, hey, nice effort. Yeah, <laughs> good effort. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
All right. I know Phil's got Phil's got some. Uh, yeah, Phil wants to brag a little bit here. So <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna brag. I was just gonna tell you, I had a lot of fun. I had uh, I had Paul Carter down, who we had on not too long ago, who I met the Jim Windler. He runs the uh, what is it, Lift Bang, Lift Bang Run uh, blog. He came down for a, um, a little deadlift competition where me, him, and then one of my buddies from uh, Manhattan, another strength coach, came, and we did 500 for reps. Um, and I'll, I'll give it right from the bat. Paul Paul volunteered to go first, which is the toughest position to go in. Gravity is a harsh mistress. And then Sam went second. I went third. But uh, uh, Paul got 12. Some people just shouldn't be in this business. And uh, Sam, of course, when you have a target to go for, he got to 13, and that's as far as he went. Well, this is disappointing. And then I was I got the back clean up. I went to 15 and then shut it down. But, uh, no, it was a great time. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, baby, yeah! Still pretty sore. But, uh, no, we're going to plan on doing something once a month. Now, so, hold on. What, what, here's an interesting What is the, um, general max deadlifts of all three of you guys? Because I, I think that would be worth it. They're both around 675. 675. Okay. Yeah. 675, and you're, of course, your highest is what, 7? Like, uh, about 780. 780. Okay. Okay, so well, that's no, but that's interesting because um, if you're looking at it strictly from a standpoint of reps done versus total weight lifted, yeah. that 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 doesn't that shows that the, the highly individual differences yeah. people have because you know they always have the charts if you can get this many reps yeah. you can get this you uh, know, and I've always said that those are good generalized things to look at, but for yeah. for an advanced lifter it, it can be so different. Yes. You know, like I said, you're lifting like what, like over a hundred pounds more and you're, you only beat them by one or two reps for, for, yeah. Which is, yeah. Right. It was pretty, it was pretty, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the rules, we kept it at no belt, no straps. Every rep had to be paused. So, um, and if you ever let go of the bar, if you were going to rest, you had to rest with your hands on the bar. Right. If you ever let go of the bar, you had to. So, Phil, was there any, like, multi-minute resting, just squatting there, not letting go of the bar? No, each set took it the most, like, 40 seconds. Okay. So, um, no, there was none of that. The longest pause was probably two or three seconds. Um, It was good. I think if I wanted to defecate myself, I probably had 17 in me, maybe. (laughs) True. But uh, I'd stay at 15. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That'd be the way to go. Um, there's actually video of that. Is it? Is it? It's on YouTube, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, I put up videos of all three of us. So you know, we all three did great. And then next time, so we're gonna do something once a month, and we might do the 500 again. I don't know. We gotta decide. And um, just wait till I get my ass down there, man. You're, I know. You're all, I know. You're all done. But I went. I went last. I this last time. So I'll go first next time, and it keeps it fair because it's always that's true. <laughs> it's yeah. always easier when you got a target to shoot for. It's oh, always, it is. Being first. Well, that's what you're hoping for. You got what you wanted, right? Go last. Yeah, exactly. So no, I but mean, truth be told, under the parameters that you set, like I said, no belt. Yeah. Hands have to stay on the bar. Um, those two things alone, um, to me, make it insurmountably harder than some might might imagine it to be. Oh yeah, and I was totally stoked with getting what I did because my best bump and go several years back was 16. Yeah. Right. Five. And you're stronger now, so. Yeah, I'm stronger now. Right. Right. I was wrecked. I'm just now able to walk correct. I mean, oh, those, yeah? first, <laughs> those first few reps, though, that, because I've watched the video, uh, I've yeah. commented on it actually, but, um, those first few reps that you pulled that, it, lo- it literally looked like you were pulling 135 off the floor. It's actually, oh, it's actually hilarious. If it, Lonnie, if you haven't seen it, go check it out, because it's like, it's like, are you sure there's 500 on that bar? Oh, it was yeah. around 10. Around 10, it was like, oh, 
That's why I started. I was running out of breath and whatnot. Well, yeah, because you're because you have to keep your hands on the bar, so you're, yeah. you're, you're not being able to like fully get the air back. Yeah. So, Anybody that doesn't think, you know, resistance training can get your heart rate up, no. they're sane. I, I had to spike out of oh, like yeah. 100 beats a minute. I was. I took a seat on our toilet slash chalk bucket and I just stayed there a while. So. <laughs> if you're okay. If you're using it for a toilet, then I'll I'll, I'll pass on it for the chalk bucket. No, I was just sitting on it. But you know, it's a, it's our chalk bucket. It's yeah, because I was going to say, are you are you oh, whatever? I won't go Actually, there. you know, Rob, I was going to say you had a good point a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how there's not an automatic connection between one rep max and the number of reps you can do it at a certain okay. sub max percent. You know, right. uh, no. so like you're saying, you know, there there it is. Although that's held true, you know, it'd be neat to see the correlation. I'm well, it was like the whole thing with like. Um, you know, years ago with the WBF and Tom Platts and Fred Hatfield. I remember, yeah. Bodybuilding yeah. were going head-to-head. They, they actually had a max rep, um, and then they had a back-off where they did max reps with a certain weight. Um, yeah. And Fred Hatfield, as one might guess, won the, the single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as one, one might guess, um, Platts won the reps. Like, I think he got 25, three reps with 500 or something. Yeah. Like squat. And, and again, I mean, it's 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 just funny when you see his Fred Hatfield like I didn't do I think fifty percent of what Plas did on the reps with five hundred. Yeah, but I think he beat him by well, you know, it wasn't that much like thirty or forty pounds on the single, but and that anyway. even backs up what we were saying from the ACSM progression models paper that I just read from about how bodybuilding requires high higher volume, you know, a little bit higher reps kind of thing, and oh, for sure. hypertrophy, you know, so that just kind of feeds that. Hey, I have one last thing before we get to our guest. Uh, found out yesterday or day before that um, the protein book is out. Woohoo! Yeah. So uh, it's obviously from me and, and uh, Joey Antonio of uh, ISSN fame, but it's dietary protein resistance exercise. Again, I just wanted to mention it. Phil is on the cover. Woo! <laughs> Looking sexy. Looking sexy, doing doing his lift, uh, p- pulling lots of weight off the floor. Uh, so. Anyway, dietary protein resistance exercise. If you uh, just Google Lowry Protein CRC Press, it'll take you to this page. Two hundred and fifty-eight pages. Um, it was slightly delayed, so it says published April twenty-fifth. I think it was just a few days after that. But this is literally a collection of uh, scientists from all over the world who wrote different chapters, whether it's safety or type. If you're ever interested, in, you know why is way better, or you know. How do I maximize this? What's the optimal dose? Because uh, some of that dosing information is actually fairly new as far as how much you could actually, you know, how little you can get away with and get some effect, how much you can get away with for maximal growth. So there's tons of stuff in there if you, again, just Google my name and, and protein and CRC Press. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this will spread all over. It's it's ninety nine ninety five from the publisher because this is from a science publisher CRC presses it's not an industry type you know uh, publisher this is raw science so brace yourselves but it's uh, 20% off if you go to ironradio.org there's a code on there um, I believe it's 888FX but again go to ironradio.org it's in the upper right you get that code you literally save 20 bucks off that book if you ever wondered yeah. you know how to, how to eat to get big there it is I'm interested in it but is the cover her scratch and sniff Ooh, no, it should. Uh, no. What what smell would you think should be should be coming off a of film here? <laughs> Man, I don't sweat. Know. Stale, stale hot dogs and rotten gym socks. I don't know. Nice. No, the chalk bucket slash toilet smell. <laughs> I don't. Stuff. I don't. 
Anyway, so I'm, I'm excited. It's out. That was a two years of total work hounding MDs and PhDs from all over the you know the world, literally, to get them to uh, write me chapters. So, okay. Sorry. Um, yesterday, Jordan Feigenbaum. Jordan, hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Um, so you're you've got the floor. Tell us a little bit about you because um, I was only introduced to you through your initial email to to myself, which I appreciate. Um, but you've got a lot of credentials uh, to back you up, hence why you're actually on the show. Um, so right. tell us a little bit about yourself. I, like I said, I could just ask you specific questions because I got the sheet in front of me of all your credentials. But I think it would be more interesting for the for the listener to. Actually, for you, in your own words, tell us a little bit about your uh, journey to your uh, your uh, situation now. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I graduated uh, from a school in northern Missouri called Truman State back in 2008, a biology uh, degree and a minor. They made up my minor in uh, physiological assessment. It was an independent study kind of thing, so I did that. And I was always interested in the human performance and you know training and stuff, my first kind of... Uh, inculcation into training was uh, powerlifting in college, so that's I started doing that, and uh, anyway, so I graduated, and I was like, what do I want to do? I like training, exercise is cool, all right, well, let's be a trainer. Little did I know anything about the training field as far as how it happens in globo gyms, but, uh, so that was a rude awakening. Apparently, squats are not, uh, <laughs> they're not very widespread, but, you know, the paradigm is changing these days, but, uh, so anyway, you, you got you to stay away from those squats. Yeah, yeah, bad for your knees, guys. See that study of 76 line? You know, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, then anyway, uh, I've been training that now for about five years uh, out of St. Louis, and I got a bunch of different certifications just because I thought that was going to help me get more clients and be more educated, and all it really did was drain my bank account, but uh, that's, uh, that's okay. If anyone's interested, I've got the... CSCS, uh, ACSM's HFS credential. Uh, I did do the CrossFit thing, but I try to keep that on the down low so no one knows. Um, <laughs> well, that was worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone told me, hey, save your thousand dollars. You know, buy buy some equipment or go to a different seminar. You know, but uh, I was really jazzed up and wanted to go. You know, do Tabata bodyweight squats and then. And then after I went through the seminar, I didn't want to do that anymore. So that was an interesting <laughs> kind of way to do that. Uh, and then the, my most recent cert, I went through the USAW uh, club coach thing, and I'm working on doing some regional coaching as soon as I get some athletes to, to get up uh, to that level. So that'll be nice. And uh, I got a bug about a year ago where I wanted to uh, save the world, so I decided to try to go to medical school. So... Uh, yeah, I, I uh, enrolled in a master's program, um, getting my master's in anatomy and physiology. My thesis is up, and then uh, next this this August I'll be going off to medical school somewhere. So, and uh, starting in the second year because I've already taken all the first year courses. So I, I believe it depends on the school I go to, obviously. But so that's my that's my story so far. I like school apparently. Yeah. So what, what about, fun. I'm sorry, uh, so personal lifting uh, competitiveness there? Yeah, I, uh, the last meet I did, I did this USAPL uh, meet raw, uh, a raw meet here in St. Louis uh, on St. Patty's Day, and uh, I'm in the 181 weight class. I did a 440-pound back squat, uh, 308 on the bench, and then 540 uh, deadlift. Nice. So, which... 
I didn't train for it. No. <laughs> well, I didn't train for it. I got goaded into doing it. Uh, my buddy who competes, he, he's also a 181er, and he was saying, oh, you know, is uh, Grandpa Jordan going to come out and uh, and lift? You know, I'm only 26, but he's he's 19, so I'm Grandpa Jordan. And uh, said, okay, well, we'll see if you can hang. So uh, anyway, I uh, ended up doing pretty well in the meet. I'm going to go down to Nationals here in uh, August, the Raw Nationals, so that should be that should be fun, I guess. So but. you do have aspirations of taking the competitive. Yeah. Sport. Yeah. I thought I was going to do Olympic lifting for a little bit, and then I realized I'm not very good at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I st- yeah. I, well, I yeah, that, that could be a factor. Yeah, I snatched <laughs> 95 kilos, uh, and I thought I was, you know, on top of the world, and then I realized I need to snatch, you know, 130 or something to even mm-hmm. somewhat competitive. So yeah. Then I realized that just lifting heavy things, you know. One time, slowly, I can do that. So, <laughs> hey, go for what you know, man. Right, right. Power yep. So, so what's what was your upbringing like that that kind of led you to be so enamored with all things physical performance? I mean, you're you're saying how you know, I mean, clearly everything you've told us paints that picture. So, I mean, were you a very athletic kind of maybe a nervous kid or <laughs> what was it? Yeah. No, I actually was probably the least, I am still maybe the least athletic person you might ever meet. Uh, me and stick and ball sports don't really go together, as anyone who's ever seen me try to do that uh, can attest to. But I actually have been racing motorcycles, dirt bikes, for the past 12 years. But nice. I had never, yeah, and I'd been, uh, and I went, I did the national circuit on that, so I had some success there. But I never even worked out at all, I mean, until I was maybe 17 years old. And a wrestling buddy of mine got in, started going to the gym, you know, doing the normal thing. But there's one, I remember this stands out for me. My my father has the most massive hands of any person in the entire world and huge forearms. And anytime he wanted to make a point to me, he would just, you know, crush my hand. And I always thought, <laughs> I just want to get strong enough so where, you know, he can't crush my hand and I'll just write back to him. So, uh yeah, I've always, as soon as I started lifting weights, I just really got into how strong can I get. It was never, uh, you know, let me get jacked and let me get uh, big, even though that is that is nice, too. I just, yeah, that's plastic. Everybody, hey, no, no, man. I say, hey, by the way, Dr. Lowry, I saw some of your pictures. Man, insane. Just insanity. So, so Well, you, actually, and, you know what? If I could just share, Jordan, I, I, Phil said something a couple of weeks ago. And he said something about, I, I don't know if this was a little, I don't think it was a admission of weakness, but he said something about, you know, I want to look decent. And I'm like, oh, he slipped. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for all this sort of, you know, because there's a lot of blue collar sort of bravado with the, with the power lifters I know. And, you know, let's uh, face it, you know, Rob and I were talking before we hit the record button about there's been a lot of this same mentality in bodybuilding, too. Not all bodybuilders are little fruitcakes fluttering around in, you know, oh, bumblebee no. stripes, uh, you know, spandex and... uh and uh, headbands or, or string tanks or something, but right. yeah, but you know, even guys like Phil eventually will say, yeah, I, I you know, I want to look thick. So well, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. That's all I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with it. No, yeah, at the at the meet, it was funny. Uh, I was uh, I might have been one of the only guys in the 181 weight class who actually looked like I worked out. You know, in the kind of classical sense, it was just. I mean, I'm pretty well developed for for just a little guy. You know, 181er, but. uh I mean, I got beat by this guy who, I mean, he, didn't, he never looked like he'd ever touched a weight, but you know, he could still he could still rip 580 off the floor and and squat 500 and bench in the mid 300s as a yeah. 
five foot two little gremlin of a man. I'll but tell you, I got my t- first taste. I got my taste of that at Bodybuilders Gym. You know, Rob, you know what I'm talking about. Some of the guys in the back room there. I'm like, dude, what? You know, you're nothing. I mean, these guys look like, like you said, uh, Jordan never touched a weight. And you know, I watch him do a couple of reps with the 405. I'm like, damn, you know. Yeah. So yeah, strength is it can be. It's not always a perfect linear relationship with muscle mass. That's for sure. No. You know. So slightly. Well, cold. I mean, I, my whole thing is like. You can go, you know, one of three ways to achieve, you know, a lot of weight moved. And and the, the combination of the first two I'm about to say is obviously the best. You get the guys that you're talking about, Lonnie, um, the guys who are really kind of slight of muscular development, but they've maximized the hell out of their, their neuromuscular coordination and nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, and taken that to the extreme. Then you have the other guys, you know, the classic, you know, kind of, bodybuilder type guys, the guys who are just just by virtue of just the sheer amount of engine that they're carrying, i.e. lean muscle mass, they're able to move substantial weights just because they have this crazy engine. Then you have the guys who usually, you know, the guys who get to the the elite level who are the guys who have recognized the fact that you kind of have to, you know, to get to be the best of the best. You gotta have both. Have, you have to have both. So, that, yeah. so hence they go, you know, they go hog wild on having as much engine muscle as they can. And as, you know, again, accentuating the whole ner- nervous system kind of component of it, so. Right. But yeah, so, uh, you know, of course the combination is always the best, but, you know, to maximize both, um, and th- that's, of course, goes back to our whole discussions that we've had many times about periodization. Exactly. All that kind of well, thing. and I'll tell you, and that's going to be a, a related to our topic, so I'll tell you what, fellas, let's take a brief break, and yep. then when we come back, uh, we'll actually, uh, sort of tap Jordan's brain here about the topic of the day. Uh, and, and Jordan, yeah. I was going to say, Jordan, do you want to set it up? What, what exactly was the title? Yeah, uh, programming parameters, what does and doesn't matter. Right. Should be fun. We'll be. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. This is Jim, owner of the longest locally owned gym in Winona, The Boardwalk which I'm proud to say now has the most variety of cardiovascular machines. Our latest addition, four new lifetime ellipticals, easy on the joints, low impact on the knees, while getting a full body workout at our same unbelievable low prices. Only at the boardwalk, with an alive sound system, we're not just a gym, we're an experience. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org, 
and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, welcome back, Iron Radio listeners. We're here with our uh, guest, Jordan uh, Feigenbaum, uh, programming... What, what, what the heck was the title again? Programming, param- <laughs> programming parameters, what does and doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I had it, and then it just kind of just went. Anyway, yeah. yeah. What does and doesn't matter, yeah. Right, and uh, so Jordan is going to lead us off on that. Right, Jordan? Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny when you guys were talking earlier, I, I remember reading that ACSM position statement, and, and then when you were talking about the guys writing books, now, and, and mostly e-books, too, you know, because you can publish those without actually getting a, a book deal. And then, now you're a guru. You know, that's that's how it goes. But it seems like everybody's got a different take on how to set up the optimal program. You know, and it looks everyone is so kind of uh, married to their own thing, you know. But I think everybody pretty much agrees on basic tenets of training. You know, like you said, the freak, you need to assess your frequency, your uh, volume, intensity, and movement selection. And I think most Gurus would agree that you need to squat and you, or you know, some sort of uh, big movement like that. And, and you know, it, it's really people majoring in minors. You know, they're focusing on these minute details that don't matter as much as the overarching theme of their program. You know. Well, and I would also argue that oftentimes what they have to do is come up with something new. I mean, if you're going to differentiate yourself, something's got to be new. So right. they make up sort of a, a halfway category that. You know, and then they brand it and name it. When in fact, it's really just part of one of the existing categories. Or they'll talk about a certain phase, like the ebb versus flow phase of the recovery period. And it's like, okay, you just pulled that out of your butt. You know, so yeah. can we can we leave that in your behind and move on yeah. to try to make, make some progress? You know, actually well, progress. But, well, if you want to sell something, you got to have you know something catchy and something that really think you know you imagine the guy who's cruising the internet and looking for just the perfect program or the perfect diet and he wants to buy an ebook on it and so if you can you know hit a, a buzzword that really t- pulls them in well now you're going to make your 29.95 and it's just it's sure. all these yeah just small little things you know and and, and honestly I, I know I've listened to a lot of the, the past podcasts on here and, and other you know prominent people in the field and they're saying well you know we need more squats and less leg presses or less leg extensions. And well, you know, I see actually a lot of kids squatting, you know, the problem is they don't stick with anything long enough to see the results. They're still squat, but one week they'll, you know, squat for five by five because they read that was awesome. And then the next week it'll be, you know, 10 sets of 10 because German volume training just got published on a, one of the sites that they read or somebody, you know, wrote an article on that. So it's, Nobody takes in, not nobody, but a, a lot of people don't take into the model of like, you know, progressive overload, how to do that, how, and they don't have the physiology, uh, physiology background to know like how your body adapts to stimulus. I so, think that's true, because that gives you hints toward the time frames. You know, like if someone yeah, thinks that they can gain huge amounts of weight, uh, in a very brief period of time, you know, nutritionally, metabolically, energetically, it's just not possible. You know, so, and that's why, like, when Tate was on here and he was talking about, um, you know, year-long mesocycles, like, I'm going to do more or less this for a year and put on mass, or next year I'm going to, you know, get strong with it, or the year after that I'm going to get ripped, you know, and he's talking about 12-month blocks, not 12-week blocks. 
Yeah. Right. You know, so yeah. Well, the more but, I go, the more I go along, the more I kind of adhere to that idea too. That you know, uh, to, as Jordan began his whole thing by saying, you know, like you have to really stick with something, and yeah, like a few weeks is not going to amount to crap in the overall picture. So, right. You know, I get questions. I, I got a, a couple websites that I, I'm on, and and people are asking me questions. I had a guy uh, ask me, you know, what's better? Is, is Wendler's 531 better than the advanced novice protocol of starting strength? And I'm like, they're almost the same thing. Just, I mean, really, you know, you're you're squatting, you're deadlifting, you're pressing, you're bench pressing, you're adding weight, you know, weekly, and, and you're incorporating some assistance exercises just in a different, you know, there's two different books. Doesn't mean they're that you know crazy yeah. different. You know, it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to get stronger? Do you want to get bigger? You know, if so, <laughs> let's figure it out. You know, let's let's hash it out. So no, I think you've you've ID'd the biggest problem is nobody wants to stick to anything. We were talking about this last weekend when Paul was here. A big group of uh, people that came to watch gathered around him, and they were like, "How, how did you get so big and so ripped?" Because Paul, he's walking around probably. Oh, he's two forty and. Low body fat percentage. Um, and nobody wanted to hear that they need to walk around about 280, 290 for five years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Like, you know, oh, how do you get big? Well, you just get bigger a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's not, nobody goes from being, you know, this little weakling, you know, 97 pound guy to this massive man in a year's worth of time. You know, it just doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, people see a snapshot in time. And yeah, they, and like Phil, I think what Phil's alluding to there is, you know, you walk around carrying a certain amount of body fat, you're a much bigger man. And then, you know, your body gets used to saying, hey, I have this many kilos of fat-free mass. And, you know, then when you get leaner, it's hopefully still there. Or there's a tendency to still carry that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're hoping that when you diet down, you're not losing one for one, you know. Muscle and, and fat when you get towards the end range, but you gotta start I, I, bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start bigger. It's uh, yeah. It's funny if you guys want to sell a bunch of books and make a lot of extra money on the side, write an ebook about how to get bigger and stay really lean at the same time. It'll just you know, it doesn't even have to be scientifically based. But if you want to cite some studies, go for it because that'll even add more legitimacy to your operation, and people will buy the the heck out of it. It's just you know, that's that's probably the number one thing. How do I get a little bigger and 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 stay leaner. You know, I was like, well, how long do you have before you want to be big and lean? Because yeah. we're going to have to test the parade. And what kind, of, what kind of drugs are you willing to use in the process? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah and we, we've discussed this on the show so often, that, that that whole kind of idea that young and, you know, less informed lifters have about that whole idea and that they just don't want to, uh, most, so many of them just don't want to accept the idea that, yeah, the guys who actually can, can achieve that to any degree are the guys who are willing to indulge in, you know, different chemicals and hormones, so. Right. Um, oh. but it's so, it's so difficult. I mean, you get guys who are like, you know, 140 pounds, um, I'm not ripping on guys who are 140 pounds, but certainly to carry any appreciable amount of muscle mass from a, you know, from a standpoint of something that would be deemed to be impressive, you know, to a, a, a a group of bodybuilders, you know, it's just not going to happen. And, and obviously, the, the larger and larger you get, or you desire to get, the more that's going to become less and less possible. 
You know, it's yeah. one thing to try and be that at one thirty, and it's another thing to try and be that at two thirty. So, well, and again, not to be insulting about guys who choose to use, you know, uh, oh. just to point out no, something. I, I, I know, uh, I know a young man who started his pre-competition diet uh, and other preparations at one ninety-three, you know, maybe twenty-something percent fat, and uh, in the final weeks before his competition, he was very lean at two oh four. So how does that happen? I'm just curious because you know that's sort of addressing Jordan's thing there about putting yeah. on muscle while he's getting leaner, you know. But it just kind of and how we are talking about when it comes to whether it's a power meet or bodybuilding or whatever. Usually these pre-competition phases they escalate in more than just training volume, you know. Right. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. And, and yeah. so you know it, it makes that kind of thing possible because imagine being 12 pounds heavier ripped than you were in the off season. And yeah. that's just backwards to me because I think much more like Phil does, which is, you know, and traditional old school bodybuilders do, which is you, if you want to compete as a light heavyweight in the 190s, you better walk around at 230 in the off season. You know, and I mean, these numbers are a little smaller than what Phil's talking about, but same, it's the same principle. You know, if you want to be 240 ripped, then you better walk around 280 most of the time. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, right. that's it's just, it just depends on how many CCs you're willing to, willing to do it. In, at that in part, point. in part, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, okay, and, well, Oh, oh, go ahead. I guess on the other hand, you know, because that seems to be the general idea, like, you know, hey, if you want to be big and you want to be lean, you got to be willing to separate it up and actually get big first. And, and you know, it's not all going to happen at the same time and at once, you know. But mm -hmm. on, on the other hand, that doesn't, you know, doesn't give people an excuse just to eat ridiculous amounts of food, get sloppy, you know, yeah, and, and not do any extra work because they're afraid of overtraining, you know. It's no, that's like, right. Consistently, the people who are the most physically impressive, whether they're formally educated in it or not, are the people busting their butts in the gym and in the kitchen, you know, and it's like there's some sort of happy medium, you know, but people want to overanalyze it on both ends of the spectrum. That's kind of like my whole, I want to simplify it, but I don't have a catchy title for an ebook yet, so as soon as I get that, guys, <laughs> I'll send well, it over. Well, Phil, Phil's <laughs> available to be the cover model. I, I am. I am. I'm now a professional plus size male model. There it is, plus size. As long as the Christmas card can go on the on the front, I'm, I'm, yes. that'll just... We'll send a free one out with every book. <laughs> there it is. Now, Jordan, you mentioned um, what doesn't matter. So fill us in on that. What doesn't matter when it comes to programming and progression models and all that sort of thing? Uh, what doesn't matter as much, I, I always like to put an asterisk as much. Uh, people get really married to these rep ranges, you know, like, oh, I'm doing five reps, you know, three sets of five, or I'm doing sets of three, you know, and they don't allow themselves any wiggle room. They, you know, everybody has good days and bad days, and if you've lifted for long enough, you're, you, can, you obviously identify with this. So on those, you know, maybe there's a rep range. Is it five to seven? Is it three to five? What is your goal for this, you know, part of your of your cycle you know is it's if it's strength maybe it's a three to five rep range and you try to push that up week by week by week if it's growth maybe you have an eight to twelve a, a rep range and you try to add weight to that you know as you're progressing through but people you know have these firm kind of ideas in their brain about how many reps are supposed to get whereas some days you're not going to hit it and you feel like a failure and then you need to change your program and then other days you could obviously put more work in and you don't you leave it on the table and it's kind of like Allow yourself some some wiggle room. So reps don't necessarily matter, especially people will say, oh, fives are just for strength. It's like, well, no. If you 
<laughs> if you keep gaining strength, you're going to gain some muscle mass too, myofibular hypertrophy. You know that's going to happen. And, well, let me ask you this, Jordan, you and Phil both. So here's my problem. So I'll, I'll be a case for you. I okay. tend to fall into a habit. Like I love the five to eight rep range. I just I'm, I'm most comfortable there. I always fall back into that. So the question for you, uh, Jordan and Phil, how often should I force myself out of that comfort zone and either do you know doubles or do sets of twelve or you know what I mean? How often would you guys have clients do that if you knew that they would stick in this rut of five to eight for years if you didn't prod them? I mean, what do you think? I- I guess what the first thing it would be where where are we trying to take the client or where are we trying to take you you know if it's if you're really looking to gain some strength then obviously I'm going to pull the uh, the volume down a little bit and add intensity you know so maybe if once you're maxing out that five to eight rep range we're either going to add weight and then shift the rep range down to a four to six and you well know, I'm but, thinking hypertrophy you know with uh, a side of strength how about that. Right. So in which case I might, you know, do a first set of like four to six, something that's more in that pure strength kind of uh, phase and then do multiple back off sets or, you know, and so that way you're kind of getting best of both worlds, the best of both worlds. If you can gain more strength, use more weight for your hypertrophy sets. I mean, obviously that allows you to stress the muscle or at least the potential to stress that muscle more. So. And, and really, what's that going to take away from pure hypertrophy training if we just do one heavy set, you know? And it, it might even increase that transient hormonal effect of training that people seem to get all spun out about, you know? And how long How long would you have me do that? I mean, I usually like to have strength blocks anywhere between six to eight weeks, you know? And, and it depends on if there's, a, if there's a meet coming up, it'll probably be a little longer. There might be some deload stuff going on in there. But, uh, you know, for someone who's not a competitive strength athlete, I think it might beat you up too much to, to go for too long on that. So you know, six to eight weeks tops where you're really just trying to push that that strength up, and then the back-off sets are more your pure hypertrophy kind of training. But what about I'll, Phil? Yeah, I'll, I'll just add in. I'll, I'll, I think he's 100% right on. You know, first, it's IDing what the client wants. And so we'll just take you um, instead of going into that anymore. And I'd say... <laughs> You know, you need to back off your, your five to eights when you start getting that like you did before your last contents where your joints and stuff ache and things like that. Yeah. Um, and drop into the, you know, go for some tens to fifteens or something like that or even higher for a month and, and let those, let, let the heavy load slow down. Let your joints and stuff heal up. I mean, I know that the best thing I do after meets is, is get away from all the heavy stuff. Oh yeah, and 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 hit reps, and it's you know, I've seen that with all of my for how long? How long? Strength sports. Hit it for a month, you know, and then come back to your uh, once you're feeling better, come back to your bread and butter for uh, for a time until you hurt or you stop making progress. I mean, I think the number one thing is you got to stick to things, and the biggest mistake people do is they they stop doing something that's working. If it's working, you're not hurting, you're making progress. Ride that train. Well, I'll tell you, Phil, in, I, in my yeah. defense, when I lift into that last show, it's because mm. muscle mass-wise, what I was doing was working. I was yeah. holding on to my muscle mass while the fat was coming off, yes. and I was not going to change what I was doing a no. weeks before. I know? hear you, and I think that's where a lot of bodybuilders make the mistake, is they, they change to a higher rep scheme, you know, more reps to cut up, heavier weights to bulk, exactly. and it's like, yes. it's, it's BS. I mean, if anything's going to, if anything's going to, Tell your body to hang on to muscle. 
is it's you consistently lifting lifting something heavy. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's yeah. like like you're trying to get a bodybuilder to go in there and do a set of three by three on squats. Yeah. And then and then walk and leave the gym. You know, like yeah. yeah like that Good would luck. that happen? I mean, I wish it would, but it, it's. Yeah be a hard yeah. sell for me. Well, and it's like so. you said, Jordan, too, and you can't forget the, you know, the other movements. So, like, if, if your meat and potato sets are squat, for me, it would be, like, squat, row, and, uh, you know, dumbbell or barbell bench press, then I've got to go do a, a couple of other sets of something. Flies, you know what I mean? Um, pull-downs, you know, other things, uh, and not just leave the gym after I've done, say, three sets of four or something. You know what I mean? Even though it's heavy... Yep. You know, yeah. there there is that, just like the ACSM uh, position paper said, there is that volume requirement on some level, uh, you know, for size, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah but certainly also have to remember that once you've, I mean, this kind of goes without saying for a lot of us, but once you've built it, maintaining it is oh, yeah. much, much easier. Like, totally. like and, and this is yeah. what, like, what, what Phil just said a great thing there a couple minutes ago. The whole idea is as long as you're going in consistently lifting something heavy, and heavy is a relative term. Specifically, when you're talking about somebody who is more advanced and already is carrying a lot of muscle mass, um, you know, because again, to maintain it is much less rigorous. I mean, you can maintain a lot of size with probably, quite truthfully, train probably somewhere between 45 and 65 percent of your one rep max, probably for several months, probably. Yeah, before things start to taper. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, that's Lonnie. What you said is, is interesting. I mean. It, I've, I've done some programming and, and some consultations with some bodybuilders uh, on an amateur level, so, you know, not, not anything too crazy. And it's funny, the last two or three weeks, uh, depending on where they're at and their conditioning, you know, I really cut the volume down because at that point, the flies aren't doing anything except for depleting glycogen right. I mean, and pumping blood through the muscle. Mm-hmm. So I, lo- I will have somebody go in there and do a heavy set, you know, five sets to three on a bench press at, you know, a... 85%, so it's not a full, like a three rep max repeated. It's, it's still heavy though, and that's just enough stimulus to keep the muscle there. And well, then I think I have... what, you know, what you guys are talking about is one of the reasons why, especially as the competition a- approached, was, uh, I'm, I'm just a big fan of undulating periodization because it, you have the heavy days where you're not depleting glycogen. You know, then you'll, you've got, uh, lighter days where you might be depleting glycogen, but you're letting your joints rest. So that, I've always really gravitated toward that sort of up and down, you know, not from, not from season to season, but almost literally from workout to workout. Go like heavy, heavy, you know, lighter day. Now the light days aren't easy days. That's not the same thing. Right. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. But, you know, that way you get a little bit of that, that trade-off between glycogen preservation versus joint preservation. You know, right. like going back and forth. And I, I again, like, I, there's lots to debate there, I'm sure. But I would like uh, to make a point here. And the point is this, I mean, just, just on a side note. Anybody who's been trained for, you know, a dozen years or so and actually is, you know, a competitive athlete in some sort of, you know, strength, sport, bodybuilding, so a, of a certain amount of, you know, knowledge. I mean, the, the amount of just crushing stress that you can inflict upon yourself Whatever your, your preferences, I mean, whether it be like Lonnie, you're saying between, you know, five and eights kind of a thing, or, you know, somebody who loves the, you know, the doubles or the triples, or somebody who, you know, prefers 12 to 15 kind of thing. The point is, is you've reached such a level of, you know, like conditioning and, and ability to focus in. I hate to use the word, you know, uh, the phrase, you know, mind muscle connection, because it's kind of overwrought, but truthfully, I mean, what an, what a veteran can, a veteran can, a veteran can do of one set 
of cable curls, you know, with a moderate amount of weight. You know, oh, yeah. Um, versus, you know, somebody who can, you know, a, a newbie can do, you know, with 20 sets of barbell curls um, is, is profound, you know. So, like, whatever, even though we were saying earlier about how, you know, you have to do a certain thing for more than, you know, a week or two before you can adequately assess, you know, whether it's working for you or not or get the maximum benefit benefit out of it. You also have to remember the fact that um, you also have to, when you are more of a more advanced ability and, and conditioned athlete, you also have to realize just how much damage you can do in mm-hmm. so many different ways, whether you're more on the pure strength side of things and, you know, again, nervous system, just complete nervous system burnout, or like you're saying, glycogen completely, you know, have, you know, eviscerating all your glycogen stores, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, or even just psychological burnout, because you know, yeah. an advanced athlete in anything can is can be so mentally focused on something that you actually just burn out psychologically. It might not. Well, even I, ha- I think there's as- four ways to burn out. Really, one is nervous system, mm-hmm. and that could be central and peripheral, probably. Two, soft tissue. You know, like I've always been had this gravitation toward being a soft tissue assassin. You know, I want to do lots of negatives, lots of heavy work, get really sore, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, three would almost be emotional. You know, again, that sort of goes with the central, but central yeah, yeah. drive and emotional, these are kind of different systems. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's there's three or four different yeah. ways. And then fourth would just be simple substrate depletion, like you're saying. Yeah. The triglycerides and the glycogen are just gone. You use all that up. And, by the way, you can use up about a third of your glycogen and intramuscular triglycerides, even over just a couple of bodybuilding-type sets for 30 minutes. So, yeah. you know, imagine going to the gym for an hour and a half. Most people do not go through life completely empty in their glycogen gas tank. You know, yeah. and so you are brutalizing yourself. And I do think you got to keep that in mind a little. I, I agree with what I think Jordan said, though. Some people go too far, and they, they're they so afraid of overtraining, they won't, they'll mm-hmm. never brutalize themselves. Yes, you know, but, and I agree, especially early on in training when people get that, I don't know, it became so popular. Overtraining a few years back became very popular, and you saw tons of new people worried about overtraining. Uh, they were so scared they weren't actually training. They were they were exercising. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree 100%. I think Rob hit it on the head. I mean, you go back, let's go back to the 500-pound deadlift competition I did this weekend. I had a conversation then with one of my newer lifters of, you know, that's all I did that day, and I did a couple light squats, and that was my workout. And I probably did more damage than they do in their hour-and-a-half-long workout from my one set. Yeah. Um, just from my ability to... I don't know, harness the beast or however you yeah, want. Well, you're well, big like, enough well, to hurt yourself. That's all. Yeah, well, like lions, exactly. like a soft tissue assassin. I mean, yeah. just a, an assassin. Period. I mean, I, I'm not blowing my own load here to you know saying what I'm about to say, but I mean, I can really destroy myself. <laughs> like, and, oh. and it, but the thing is, I don't think my realization of just how severe I can destroy myself has has kept pace with how much I can destroy myself. If that makes any sense. And, you know, so even like, you know, 26 years in, I'm only now just being like, wow, you know, like, I mean, I, I gotta like cool my jets once in a while. Like, exactly. it's easy just, you know, like, and it's, it's hard for me. Just like Lonnie is saying, it's hard, you know, you like the 5-8 kind of thing. And it's, it, it goes the other way for guys who are more purist, you know, strength purists. It's like, you know, you can get a, you know, overload, overload, you know, heavy, heavy loads, percentages high, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, after a few, even several weeks, Cumulatively over three or four months, that can have like devastating effects oh, on your yeah. 
Yeah. Like devastating effects. And, and you're just like, what's going on here? Why is it, you know, why does this now feel so much heavier than even it's two true. Ago? I mean, like, and it's just like, you know, and backing off for a week for a guy like me or like Phil just doesn't do the trick. Yeah. You know, what, yeah. one or two weeks, you think, okay, well, I'll take a week layoff. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, I think you know what layoff, I did? A week layoff doesn't do jack shit at no. that level. I mean, no, it, it, it's true. Several weeks of really backing off, really We're changing backing. dramatically what George was saying earlier about, you know, I wouldn't have you do like four sets of three to four, or four you know, five sets of three or something for very long. You know, when I just came off this sort of exploration into powerlifting to see if it would help me, and I did get stronger, but I, I was I was hurting myself. I mean, I, I, months had gone by, and I'm like, wait wait a minute, <laughs> I got to change gears again. You know what I mean? Just because it's yeah, it, it, it doesn't it's not about an ignorance or knowledge thing. It's about a behavior thing, and I have fallen into this thing where I'm gonna. Squat, bench, and pull. Squat, bench, and pull. You know what I mean? And before I really realized it, I'm like, I, I tweaked my hip. My shoulders are grinding. I'm like, wait a minute. I've been doing this for like seven months. Maybe I should stop this for a while. You know, I don't know. So it, it really helps. And I think if there's an argument for having a coach, it's just to have a neutral pair of eyes and ears on you listening to you and going, dude, it's time to change. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, and, and also we're kind of talking about the top 1%, you know, the people who actually are, like, really into this and doing it, mm-hmm. you know. For the vast majority of people, even listening to this podcast, and they're already in rarefied air, but, you know, and the average people we see in the gym, I mean, this isn't even a – it's not even a concern. I mean, yeah. the most most average people want to look better. If they happen to be a strength athlete, we can do that too, you know. It's just – I think the whole, especially on today's, what you know, kind of everything we've been talking about, it's just there's a lot of over analysis. There's a lot of over mm-hmm. kind of people think they're a special snowflake. I mean, yep. you're not a special snowflake. You know, it's just <laughs> yep. you don't need don't need all this crazy crazy stuff, and you don't do uh, too complicated. So that's my whole my whole thing is to make it as simple as possible. Have just big big uh, pick kind of ideas and then use your, how you're feeling and go from there. You know, Lonnie, if you were hurting, but your goal was to get stronger, well, let's switch movements to something that doesn't hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and push well, it. Well, actually, that's, that's I'll, I'm going to share next week when we do some gym talk about what the hell I'm actually doing. But, yeah, I changed gears in a big way because I really had no choice. I mean, to continue on my current path with the pain building in several areas would be just, it'd be asinine. You know, I would, I would destroy myself. And so... Yeah, you got to change gears. That's all. It was funny. I uh, on Monday I had my volume squat day. I squatted uh, 385, five by five, and just uh, and it was funny. It felt fine. It was explosive, nice. I walked outside of the gym and I tweaked my knee stepping off a curb, like I'm a really tough guy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna have to switch to I'm gonna have to switch to box squats or you know or something like or safety. Well, that bar. speaks to what you were saying, Jordan, is it, or in Phil, that you know when you're big enough to hurt yourself or strong enough to hurt yourself. Five sets five. of five. If you're a beginner, like Phil was saying, and you and you're doing five sets of two twenty-five, because that's that's your five rep max. That's not the same thing as going in and doing five sets of five with three sixty-five or three eighty-five or four hundred five. I mean, imagine that's twenty repetitions with up to four hundred and five pounds, mm-hmm. and you do that week in and week out. You better be one big mofo, or you're going to ruin yourself. You know? Yeah. So. I guess uh, so. We talked about we said reps were 
maybe somewhere where people get hang up that probably doesn't matter as much as we want it to. I mean, you obviously use it to suit your goals, but you know, uh, stronger is stronger, bigger is bigger, and everybody's so individualized that you know, you just ha- you have to progressively overload in some rep range, and it's probably not as important as we want it to be. You know, like like married to that rep range. Uh, my my other thing that I really get hung up about is exercise selection. Um, unless you are a strength competitive athlete, you know, you're a Highland Games person, you're a power lifter, Olympic lifter, like, there's not just four or three movements to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you can PR in the dumbbell press, you could PR in, you know, dumbbell incline bench press or uh, a Bulgarian split squat. I mean, there's all sorts of movements that people, you know, everyone says you get a bench press, squat, deadlift, which I like, but you can do other stuff. It's okay. Free your there's mind. Always, there's, always bur- there's always burpees. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you can do burpees. You can do... And, and triceps. Uh, triceps. Uh, kickbacks. Kickbacks, yeah. Yeah. we got to wrap it up. Yeah, guys. we got to wrap this up, guys, um, unfortunately, because this is a good conversation. But yeah. Okay, so final thoughts? Final thoughts, Jordan. Final thoughts. Uh, don't get married into one doctrine. Uh, explore, but pick something and do it long enough where you can actually make some progress. And you know what? When you show up to the gym... Get in the right mindset that you want to hit hard. That's probably the biggest thing. If you bring your intensity to the gym, good things are going to happen. So you could have just stopped that. Don't get married. Or whatever. Don't get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not touching that. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. And uh, until next week. Oops. Later. Cheers. Yeah. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, You can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the -the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter- literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about 
the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.